Have you ever noticed that the season that we're now in, and that's drawing to a close this week, that's the season after Epiphany, have you ever noticed that this season begins and ends with the very same sentence? This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. The first time we hear that sentence is when Jesus arose up out of the waters of his baptism in Matthew chapter 3. The heavens opened up, it says. And he saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then the voice, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We read that scripture back on Baptism of the Lord Sunday, if you recall, when, when we all remembered our own baptisms. And if you remember any more about the details of what we focused on that day, there was something about the announcement of that belovedness in that event that somehow lays a foundation, that somehow sets the stage for what comes next in Jesus' life and ministry. That belovedness, so closely associated with Jesus' baptism, in fact, as I said then, reminds us of the belovedness that's announced in every baptism. A belovedness that empowers and equips us with an unshakable confidence in our value and in our worth and in our God-given purpose. And that Confidence, that settledness in understanding who we are and whose we are just because God says it's so, as we saw then, opens up a pathway in the world for a new kind of walking, a pathway of calling, a pathway of true freedom, a pathway to live unafraid and follow where God leads because God has declared the truth of our belovedness. He's declared it, perhaps, as a way of saying, what now do you have to lose? Everything now is secure. Everything is take, taken care of. Be free and go. And so through this season, we've been pursuing that go together, that go made possible on the foundation of our belovedness. And we've been looking closely at the, the challenge of that go. We've been talking about where that go sends us. We've talked about the charisms and the connection that are necessary to fuel and sustain that go. Its risks and it's called to be salt and light and also to sow and to grow the seeds. But without stepping on the mystery of the work that remains for God to do, of course, that, in fact, we can't do, but that when we step back and watch with the eyes of gratitude and appreciation, we find new strength and appreciation for the fact that we're not alone in this work of calling and mission. And in fact, that it never was our work to begin with, but God's work in and through us that we co-labor in. All of that, all of that born out of and founded upon 
the belovedness announced to us in our baptism. But today, we hear that announcement again. This time with a very small addition. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This second announcement, though, comes at the end of this season of light, at the end of this season of taking a closer look at mission and calling. This second announcement takes place, as we read today, not down in the river valley, but up on the mountaintop, where Jesus goes with just a few of his disciples, off out of the way by by themselves, it says. And just as with that previous occasion of his baptism, there's a pairing here today of sight and sound that are important and pregnant with meaning. At the baptism, it was the sight of that dove and the voice that we're talking about today. And the pair go together to get us thinking about just who this Jesus is that we're paying such close attention to. Today, the sight is different, but similarly preoccupying, similarly pregnant with meaning. Jesus' appearance is transfigured before them. It says he meets up with Moses and with Elijah, and the sound that they hear, as I said, is the same voice with the same words, except that it adds, listen to him. This sight and this sound, though, say something a little bit different about identity than the first and prods our gaze towards a different and perhaps closer kind of attention. Because here, the point is that the light of Epiphany is shining bright in this person before us. Here, the point is that this light, this life, has something to teach. Here the point is, don't get distracted by the side details and less important matters like Peter, but pay attention to this life and what it teaches. Listen to him. And not just to his words, but to his person, to everything he embodies. Listen to him. Peter, if you noticed, is the distracted one here today, the one lost in insignificant details, who can't get to see the forest through all of the trees. Did you notice that? He asked this strange question about building tents here this morning that just gets totally passed over and ignored. I can relate. You know, I experienced my call to ministry as I think I've shared here before, when I was 16 years old. And for me, it was the very same week that I was baptized. My own experience of it at first was something like a nagging thought, a heart nudge that just wouldn't go away. And I thought to myself at the time, I remember, now this is a stupid thought. Why won't this go away? The thought at the time specifically was, this can't be so. I am, I am just newly into this. I'm the newbie. I don't know that much yet. I, I've got nothing to teach 
or to say. I remember back at that time in my life trying to push back on that thought for a very long time because it seemed almost arrogant to consider as a as a new young Christian of 16 years age, 16 years of age. The way my journey into ministry went though was was that the call of God in my heart kept on nagging until I did something with it. Something small at first, appropriately so. I stepped into something small with a a sense of calling and it grew as I grew in my understanding of, of what that was and of where I and my gifts fit in. And that sense of calling grew and and matured a little, as did my confidence and understanding, until I stepped into something just a little bit bigger, just something, something else, something a little bit more risky. And in general, in a general way, that process of, of feeling and of following and of confirming and of stepping more deeply into it is how my experience of ministry has gone. Over the last 28 years, that's what it is to follow a calling in my experience. But I tell you, as clear as my focus on that has been at times, there have been long seasons of my experience as well of getting lost in the particulars, like Peter, who was preoccupied by the tense when he should have been paying closer attention to the big picture. For me, those tents were graduate school. I brought my dissertation with me today. 450 pages. Four long years of my life. The most meticulous person that I have ever met in my life called it meticulous. And that was a badge of honor for me for years. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that 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 experience, that time in my life was a waste of time. But if I'm honest, if I'm honest with you today, it was a bit of a distraction to finding my place in God's mission field and to paying Christ the kind of attention that He asks us all to pay. It took me a long time to learn what kind of attention that is. And that, despite the fact that this was a a rewarding chapter in my life and something that's made me into who I am today, that this sort of, this sort of analytical intention, attention was not the most important kind. Jesus today says, listen to him. God says of Jesus today, listen to him. Listen to him means, I think, Listen to what his life teaches about what God wants for all of human life. It means listen to where he wants you to go, not just what he wants you to know. It means open your ears and open your eyes to the one who fulfills and embodies all that the law and the prophets taught and animates them with the love of God in the heart. Listen to him means don't just make this a head journey. Let it seep down into your heart and into your whole life so that when he says go, your whole body and not just your head will move. Listen to him means to see Jesus for who he is 
and to receive that more and more as your capacity grows into your very own life. And my experience is that your capacity does grow. The more you grow, the more you open your heart, and the more you follow, the more you can receive. The container gets bigger. You know, both of these Scriptures today show us a space where would-be disciples just go up to open themselves and to listen and receive something that's beyond their current understanding. That's an important part of calling as well. In the one case, it's Moses in the mystery of a cloud where there's no seeing to be done where all is confusion, where all is disorienting, all he can do up there is listen and receive. And the other, it's our disciples who are invited to a spectacle where they're just asked to look and to listen. Talked a little bit this morning already about transformation in the process, the transformation of those palms into ashes, the transformation that happens in us as we follow God's lead out into the field and who knows what God can do out there. Listen to Him. Listen to Him because that's the steady practice of a people who are on the move following where God calls them. And that's the reason it seems to me why we close this season of calling in this particular sort of way because there is no tidy conclusion. There is no neat bow with which to wrap this theme of calling up. There is only the parting word for those who would keep journeying deeper and beyond. And once we've covered all the basic, the only only thing there really is to do that's left is listen to Him. Listen to him. And all of God's people said.